Appreciate uh, Eddie Jr.'s uh, song there leading about uh, God's uh, waiting on God. That's sort of going to be the topic of our lesson tonight, uh, God's timing. And so that fit well with uh, the lesson here. Let me ask you, have you ever heard this saying before? Uh, if you're five minutes early, you're already ten minutes late. Have you heard that before? Uh, that's actually a quote, I guess, from uh, a famous football coach by the name of Vince Lombardi. Uh, won the first couple of Super Bowls, but... Um, he told his players, listen, if you didn't get to practice, if you didn't get the team meetings 15 minutes before the scheduled time, you know, you're in trouble. Uh, you're considered late. And he believed that uh, being on time you know, just wasn't good enough. You needed to be 15 minutes ahead of schedule. And this concept has become known as Lombardi time. Right? Uh, actually, July 20th, 2012, there's a clock near Lambeau Field, Green Bay, Wisconsin, where he coached. And there's this famous clock that's set exactly 15 minutes ahead of time to memorialize Coach Lombardi. Again, some, some will, you know, they'll be walking downtown and they'll wonder why that clock is 15 minutes off. And again, it's because of Coach Lombardi and his philosophy that, you know, if you're early, you're on time. But if you're on time, you're late. Well, you know, sometimes we try to apply this concept of time to God. Uh, have you ever asked yourself uh, in times of distress, in times of trouble, where is he? Uh, why is he late? Uh, where is God when I need him? Uh, why would he let this happen to me? And maybe some will even begin to question their faith. You know, I prayed, but he showed up too late. As if God wore, wears a wristwatch, you know, or has a pocket watch or something that he keeps track of time or has an appointment book. Have you ever felt that God has been too late or didn't show up at all? See, when we think that he is late, really, he's not late. He's actually right on time. And we just need to remember that, uh, uh, that we don't live in the, time, the same time frame as God. And so hopefully in this lesson... Uh, this lesson here this evening, we're going to help to understand better what it means uh, as far as God's timing. See, uh, as we sort of talk about this first point here, does God care about time? Well, yes, he, he does care about time. Being eternal, though, God is not uh, bound. He is not confined by time. You remember what Peter said in Second Peter chapter 3, verse 8? You know, one day is like a thousand years and a thousand years like one day to God. You know, God, again, he is not bound by time like you and I. He is an infinite God, eternal, all-powerful, all-knowing creator. In a thousand years, that's long to you and I, isn't it? But for God, it's like one day. You know, he existed before and after time. He is the everlasting to everlasting. Now, he does take interest in time, although, again, he's not confined by it. Remember in Exodus chapter 3, remember when Moses is speaking to God through the burning bush and, the, and God's telling him that he needs to go to Pharaoh and tell him uh, to let his people go. You remember Moses asked, well, well, who do I say sent me? And God from that burning bush says, I am who I am. You know, again, that, that might be a sort of a strange concept to you and I, or we might think maybe that's just poor English. You know, maybe that's just a, a hard translation. I am who I am. Basically, he's saying, I am he who is. Right? He isn't saying, I, I was, but I am. He, he's affirming his eternality, that he's eternal, that he's always existed. You know, in that statement, 
got Jesus in a lot of hot water in the New Testament. You remember there are many times in the book of John where he says, I am uh, referring again to his, uh, his eternalness. John chapter 8, for instance, uh, the, Jesus and the Jews are going back and forth. And then they start talking about Abraham here in chapter 8, uh, starting in verse 56. And it says here that uh, they say, your father Abraham, or excuse me, Jesus says, your father Abraham rejoiced to see my day. And he saw it and was glad. So the Jews said to him, you are not yet 50 years old. And have you seen Abraham? And Jesus said to them, truly, truly, I say to you, before Abraham was born, I am saying, I am, I've eternally existed. Abraham saw my day because, you know, I was born or I, excuse me, that I was existing before Abraham was born. Everlasting to everlasting, eternal, not confined by time. And because of this, the Jews, it says in verse 59, they picked up stones to throw at him. But Jesus hid himself and went out of the temple Is God concerned by time? Well, again, he's not bound by time, but that's not to say that God is not concerned with time because he is, right? He created this system. It's his plan for it to work through these things. Galatians chapter four, verse four, Paul wrote that when the fullness of time came, God sent forth his son uh, through a woman uh, under the law to be born of woman under the law. What he's basically saying is just at the exact right time in history. I sent my son into the world. Why did Jesus come some 2,000 years ago? Have you ever thought about that question? Uh, a lot of scholars will point to, well, uh, there was a time when basically the, the Roman government ruled the world. Right? And so we had this one universal language, uh, the Greek language that everyone could understand. We had these roads, this system of roads that the Romans built. Uh, just again, uh, all of these things pointing to just perfect time for, for Jesus to come into the world and to spread the gospel. Why didn't Jesus come into the world after Adam and Eve sinned in Genesis chapter 3? Why 2,000 years ago? Why not yesterday? Why did God not choose yesterday to send God, or excuse me, Jesus into the world? Well, again, I don't think we know the reason why, but we do know that it was the perfect time. In the fullness of time, it was the right time. Jesus throughout scripture will say, my hour has not yet come. And then in John chapter 17, he says, my hour has come. See, God, again, he is not bound by time, but he uses it. So why does he seem late at times in our lives? Why does sometimes he show up at the right time? While others, not at all. We think, well, maybe, maybe he's showing favoritism. Right? He showed up for them, but not for me. Or maybe we think maybe that he, he loves them more. Or maybe sometimes we'll think, well, maybe I just don't pray as well as somebody else. Why did he show up in their life, but not mine? Let's look at a couple examples of when God was on time. You know, sometimes he, when you read some of these accounts in the Old Testament, it's sort of like he swoops in at the last moment, at the nick of time, and saves the day. You sort of remember those old 60s Batman and Robin TV show, you know, where Batman and Robin are always, uh, you know, captured and they're tied up and there's this trap, this plan that's about to happen. And at the nick of time, they escape and, and then they go defeat the bad guy. Well, that's sort of what happens here a lot in the scriptures. Exodus chapter 14, for instance, Israel's crossing the Red Sea, right? Moses is leading them out of Egypt 
but Pharaoh, we know, he changes his mind, and he, so he pursues the, uh, the Israelites. He chases them down. And remember, Israel's been in slavery for over 400 years. They, they have no army. They have no uh, sort of leadership, uh, and, and they're frightened. They don't know what to do, and God makes an appearance at the right time. He tells Moses, listen, raise your staff up, and the waters are going to part, and you're going to walk through and march across on the dry ground to the other side. And as the Egyptians followed, remember, he lowers that staff, and God brings the waters back and destroys the Egyptians. And he showed up and saved his people at the right time, at the perfect moment. Daniel chapter 3, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. You remember this account as well? Uh, There's a a law, this decree that's put forth to the people saying, listen, when you hear the music, when you hear these um, flutes and lyres, and when you hear these things playing, everyone is to bow down and worship the golden image of King Nebuchadnezzar. And of course, the people do this because it's a law. It's a decree. And they know that if they don't do this, they're going to be thrown into that fire. But then there's those three friends of Daniel, again, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, who don't do that. And so they're brought before the king, and the king is mad. He says, get that fire seven times hotter than it normally is. And you're going into that fire. Remember that there were some men who were preparing that fire. They even died because it was so hot. What are they thinking at that time? We've been so faithful to God, and this is how it's going to end. Are we going to die in this fire? And of course, they go into that fire. The ropes burn off their hands, but they're alive. They're walking around. And it even appeared to King Nebuchadnezzar that there was a fourth person within that fire. A lot of people believe that this is the pre-incarnate Jesus Christ that was there with them in that fire. Nebuchadnezzar tells them to come out of that fire. Come here. And remember that their clothes are are perfectly fine. They don't smell uh, of smoke or anything. And again, God saved his people at the right time. Talk about showing up at the right time. See, there are many different accounts that we could look at in Scripture of stories where God saves his people just in the nick of time. But then there are some where it doesn't seem to happen at all. Turn with me to John chapter 11. Here's an account of... The, the death of one of Jesus' friends, a man by the name of Lazarus. Remember, this is Mary and Martha's brother. Lazarus is sick, and he is at the point of death. John chapter 11, starting in verse, well, let's start in verse 1. Now, a certain man was sick, Lazarus of Bethany, the village, the village of Mary and her sister Martha. And it was the Mary who anointed the Lord with ointment and wiped his feet with her hair, whose brother Lazarus was sick. So the sisters sent word to him, saying, Lord, behold, he whom you love is sick. Now, at this point, you'd probably be thinking, "Okay, well, Jesus is going to pack up and going to move his uh, he and his apostles towards Bethany. Get there as soon as they can uh, so that uh, they can see Lazarus uh, before uh, he gets any worse. But look at what verses four through six says. But when Jesus heard this, he said, this sickness is not to end in death. But for the glory of God, so that the Son of God may be glorified by it. Now, Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. So when he heard that he was sick, he then stayed two days longer in the place where he was. Jesus decides to delay going to Bethany to see Lazarus in that condition. And we know what happens next, don't we? Lazarus dies. And so when Jesus finally gets to Bethany, 
You remember Mary's and Martha, the sisters. It's Martha who's the first one that gets to Jesus and basically says, where were you, Jesus? Where were you? If you were only here, I know he wouldn't have died. That's verse 21. Martha said to Jesus, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would have not died. See, they're grieving. Mary and Martha and the people here, they're grieving from their perspective because they think God is late. But Lazarus was raised from the dead. And the reason why we're told, look at verse, skip all the way to verse 41. So uh, they removed the stone and then Jesus raised his eyes and he said, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. I knew that you always hear me, but because of the people standing around, I said it so that they may believe that you sent me. Then he had, uh, had these, said these things. He cried out with a loud voice, Lazarus, come forth. The man who had died came forth, bound hand and foot with wrappings, and his face was wrapped around with a cloth. And Jesus said to him, unbind him and let him go. Therefore, many of the Jews who came to Mary and saw that he had what he had done believed in him. See, was Jesus really late? I mean, really, was he late or did he use this opportunity to save more people? You know, Jesus from afar, from a distance, he could have healed Lazarus while Lazarus was on his deathbed, but he didn't. He allowed Lazarus to die, to go to Bethany and to resurrect Lazarus from the dead so that more people could believe in Jesus, that more people could be impacted. See, Jesus wasn't late. God wasn't late. He was right on time. There's another account in the scriptures, Mark chapter 5, verses 21 through 43, uh, of the death of another uh, individual. This is Jairus' daughter. And if you remember this, there's this man by the name of Jairus, and he's a synagogue official, and he comes to Jesus. He finds him, and he says, my daughter is dying. Please come to my home. Please come save her. And we recall that as they're going on that way, there's another woman who comes, a woman we're told who had a hemorrhage for 12 years. She's in dire straits, and she reaches out and touches Jesus. And Jesus says, you know, remember that? He says there's some power that left him, meaning that she was healed from just touching him by her faith. And he stops and he says, who touches me? Not that he didn't know who touched him, but he wanted all the people who were around to see and hear this. And the woman confesses that she did that. And Jesus said to her, you know, your faith has made you well. Go, uh, you've been made well. Well, now, while all this is going around, what do you, how do you think Jairus is feeling? What do you think he's thinking at this moment? Let's go. We're going to be late. My, my daughter is dying. And along the way, that's exactly what happens. They learn that Jairus' daughter dies. What do you think, again, Jairus is thinking at that moment? If it wasn't for that woman... We wouldn't have been late. Jesus would have made it. Again, was Jesus late? Again, no. We, we see the purpose of, of this happening was so that uh, people would believe in Jesus. He had an opportunity to raise her from the dead. You know, sometimes it's uncomfortable to wait for God. But he's not late. Again, he's right on time. And then there's your story. You know, we could talk about your story here this evening as well. Was there something in your life that has happened that you just wished never had happened? You know, maybe you went to God and said, why did you allow this to happen? You had the power to stop it. Why did I need to go through it? Again, is he late or are there other explanations? See, maybe he's using those hardships in our lives, 
those deaths in our lives to advance his cause. He used, maybe he's using uh, the, that discipline or, or maybe he's refining us to be, again, to be more faithful people. Again, the point is that God is never late. He's always on time. Before we end this lesson this evening, I want to talk about two things, two things about God's timing. And number one, things that we need to remember as far as God's timing is that God is all-knowing. You know, God has things in consideration that we just aren't even aware of right now. We, we uh, haven't even begun to think about these things. And he's acting providentially uh, with, through the wisdom that he has in mind. You know, think of as parents. Right? You understand things that your children do not. Uh, one of the things that I hated doing was taking my children to the doctor's office when they were you know, infants and having them get shots or injections. I just hated to do that. But you did that because you know that those things are going to protect them. They don't understand what uh, viruses or sicknesses or diseases are. They don't understand why they're getting injected with these things. But you do that because you love them. God's the same way with us, isn't he? There are times where things happen in our lives and, and God says, I know you want that now, but listen, you can't handle that now. It's not best for you now. You know, one of the biggest examples in the scripture is Job. You know, we've talked about Job quite a bit lately, but Job, uh, after having all of those bad things happen to him, uh, he's dealing with a lot of things in his life. And throughout that book, you know, he's going up against God towards the end of the book, especially in Job chapter 40. And he's, he's, again, he's just having difficulty understanding why these things are happening to him. In Job chapter 40, verse 2, he says, God says to Job, will the fault finder contend with the Almighty? And in verse 8, he says, will you really annul my judgment? You know, basically what God is saying to Job is saying, who do you think you are questioning me? Uh, will you tell me when my timing is on or off? I mean, how do you know? Are, are you going to correct me? And really, over those next few chapters, he's going to make Job feel quite foolish. See, if we think God has made a mistake, well, there was a mistake made, but it wasn't by God. It was by us. It was by us for questioning his judgment and questioning his timing in our lives. You know, there's a thing about uh, since we've you know, moved here to uh, Adair County, Columbia, Kentucky, that's kind of been tricky, uh, especially for our family. And I know it has been for some of you as well. And that's that, you know, a lot of us you know, live here in Adair County, but we might work uh, in another county or we might have appointments in another county that are in a different time zone. Right? Uh, in the eastern time zone versus the central time zone. Or as I know a lot of you like to say, the slow time and the fast time. And I still am confused as to are we the slow time or the fast time. But we'll, we'll make appointments, right? We'll, uh, Angela and I will make appointments in Somerset or Campbellsville who are on uh, Eastern time. And they'll tell us, okay, your appointment's at 10 a.m. And we'll have to think, okay, well, what does that mean for me? Because we know that we're on these different times, these different time schedules. You and I are on a different time schedule than God. See, we're on a human standard time while God is on God's sovereign time. And we've got to understand that. Again, we've got to understand that, uh, that he's on a whole different time schedule. He's on his own. And if we don't understand that, we're going to make mistakes. Because again, he is right on time all the time. We need to remember that God is all-knowing. 
And also, let's, let's, ask, or let's make this point as well, is don't ask the wrong question. When it comes to God's timing, don't ask the wrong question. See, we'll want to ask, well, where is God? Where is he? But that's the wrong question. You know, we can ask wrong questions all the time. We could say, well, how much does an hour weigh? Well, that doesn't make sense, does it? Because those are two different standards. Or we say, what color is a mile? Well, again, that doesn't make sense because uh, those standards don't measure up. Well, rather than asking, where's God? We should be asking, what did God say? You know, Romans chapter 4, verse 3 is sort of a motto for, uh, for all Bible students, right? This, this is the passage that says, for what does the scripture say? That should be our motto whenever we, we have a Bible question. What does the scripture say? And that's how he chose to reveal himself today, or through the Holy Scriptures. And so uh, instead of asking, where is God? We should be asking, well, what did he say? You know, it's not about a location like in the Old Testament about going to a temple uh, to, uh, to worship God in Jerusalem. There's no more dreams. There's no more visions, no more prophets, no more inspired apostles. And so we even need to remember to ask the proper question. And again, that question is, well, what did God say? Did he speak to the hardships that I'm having right now in my life? Well, he did. Did he prepare us for what I'm going through right now? He sure did. This is God on time, right? This is God being on time, perfectly on time, because we have this, right? We have the revealed word. See, when I understand that my heartbreak, my de- the death in my, uh, my life, so the grief that I'm going through can be used in God's plan, I'm not going to ask that question, where is he? But I'm going to ask the question, what did God say? 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 31, Paul says, do all things to the glory of God. You know, that's, that's what we should be reminded, whether we're going through good things or bad things. Glorify God. Do all things to the glory of God. Philippians chapter 1, verse 20, uh, Paul writes that Christ is magnified in his body. He is exalted in his body, whether in life or death. Again, don't ask, where is God? But ask, what did he say? Magnify God in your life, uh, like a magnifying glass, right? Uh, show people, let them see more clear God in your life. That's God showing up on time. That's what God has said. See, bad things will happen. We, we understand that. Bad things will happen, and we're going to cry out to God, and we're going to seek his help, and sometimes he'll answer us favorably, but then there are other times where he won't. And we can't raise our fist to God in anger because of that and ask, where were you, God? Because he is right where he always has been. And that's seated on his throne. Maybe the question is, well, what can you give me to help me in this situation, Lord? Pray to God. What can you help me with in this situation I'm going through? Because, again, God is on time and he's given us the information that we need. Let's learn to let God be the God uh, who he is and trust his sovereign time. See, so again, you know, we want things packaged so nice and neatly, and we want it right now before tomorrow comes. But that might not be God's schedule. Again, he is the I am, the great I am. Seek his answers. He's given you everything you need on time. And when we do that, we'll see that he's perfectly on time to accomplish his purposes. God is not late. God 
is always on time. This evening, have you been baptized into Christ? There would be no better time to do that than now. To put Christ on in baptism, to become oh, a Christian. We'd love the opportunity to help you with that, if that be your will here tonight. Or this evening, if you need the prayers of the congregation, need the encouragement of the congregation, the strength from this congregation. If there's a need that, that you need to make known, we would again love the opportunity to pray for you and help you with that as together we stand and sing.